Future Sense is a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name, broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Hosted by Nick Jeans and well-known international futurist Steve McDonald, Future Sense provides a fresh, deep analysis of global trends and emergent technologies. How can we identify the layers of growth, personally, socially, and globally? What are the signs missed, the truths being denied? Science, history, politics, psychology, ancient civilizations, alien contact, the new psychedelic revolution, cryptocurrency, and other disruptive and distributed technologies, and much more. This is Future Sense. Welcome to my compatriot and co-host, Steve McDonald. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Nick. Good morning, everybody. Yeah, and we have a special guest this morning, another Stephen. Yeah, so I'm Dr. Stephen Booth, Chinese medicine practitioner. Yeah, really lovely to be here. Yeah. yeah. Great to have you on board, Steve. And uh, Steve and I are old martial arts buddies. Mm. Yes, you are. Yeah, uh, just how we connected. For a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Stephen, sitting opposite, is a, is a pretty young man. You're only 37. Also, yeah, 37. Right? Uh, doctor of Chinese medicine. Uh, you've got six kids. I do. Yeah. Um, so, you, you know, you've been around. You've, yeah. Is that all to do with the microcosmic orbit, all those children? Um, it's just the way things <laughs> turned out, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's been a, a lovely journey being being a parent, and you, mm. know, you, you learn a lot through that, that, that experience. You yeah. certainly do. Yeah. yeah, so we're going to be talking a lot uh, from the Eastern perspective today, uh, Eastern technologies, sciences, and the like, and how that applies to to the future. You're tuned to Future Sense with Nick Jeans and Steve McDonald. Engage, emerge, activate, and spiral up. Good morning to you. You are tuned to Future Sense here, nine sixteen a.m. with Nick Jeans, Steve McDonald, and our special guest, Dr. Stephen Booth from Melbourne. Um, yeah, you're back again. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve, we're going to do a little bit of an update, world affairs, there's lots of stuff going on, the careers, for example, have a bit of a look at our, through our particular lens at what's happening on the planet today and with Stephen also contributing as, as, you, as you do. What's happening? Yeah, just a quick wrap of yeah. the week, I guess. Um, it's been a big one in Korea where the two leaders from North and South Korea, of course, have met uh, for peace talks and... Uh, the, the reporting of that has been particularly favourable, actually, and it flies in the face of mm. the picture that mainstream media has been painting of, of Kim Jong-un um, in recent months uh, with all of the, the uh, missile Bizarre. activity and, and you know, p- mm. him being um, portrayed as some sort of evil mastermind, evil yeah. mastermind who really wants to... You recalcitrant know, child or something. the world, mm. the USA and all that kind of stuff. And, and then we, ha- we see this uh, happy friendly man appearing at the border inviting the um, South Korean leader to step across into North Korea and uh, declaring that this is the beginning of a new era of peace. So uh, great contrast there and, and somewhat revealing to the um, to the shaping that goes on in the mainstream media, you know, to suit certain mm. agendas, I think. Yeah. Um, but wonderful news um, and very, very interesting in the context of what's been happening in the US uh, with, of course, the, of course, the Trump administration and the obvious conflict that's been going on there between uh, Trump's side and what people call the deep state, you know, the establishment, mm-hmm. um, the release of uh, text messages from FBI agents talking about the potential assassination of Trump. Uh, it's quite controversial, and we've yet to hear from the, the formal investigators about uh, you know their perception of, of those mm. sorts of things. Um, and uh, it's come to my attention that there's a a whistleblower who's going by the name of QAnon, 
and publishing some somewhat cryptic but very interesting messages uh, which which are implying this uh, hidden struggle that's going on between the deep state and the Trump administration, uh, an apparent sort of uh, struggle for power that's happening there, which, which um, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out over time. Um, and back closer to home, we've got the continued unravelling of uh, the banking industry and government and the like. corruption, mm. financial atrocities, etc. Atrocities. In uh, mm. the ABC News this morning, uh, news that the AMP chairwoman has stepped down yeah. in response to uh, all of the scandal that's been uncovered through the Royal Commission there. So interesting times, mm. very interesting times. And uh, not to forget our, our wildcard event that we've been mm. discussing over the last few weeks, uh, which has arisen as a possibility from a number of different sources. And we thought that the week just gone was probably the most likely time for that to happen, but obviously it hasn't yet. Mm. Um, but um, we're still feeling that that may occur, so we're, we're keeping one eye mm. open for that uh, in the near future. Well, as we said, today is the full moon, and uh, from our uh, our wandering r reported uh, astrology astrology reporter Varij, hello Varij, Morning, if you're Varij. Um, he's he's a brief astro update on this full moon today. This is a very dark and potent Scorpio full moon because it is occurring while both rulers of the sign, war god Mars and death god Pluto, are joined together. And Pluto is stationary, hence enhancing its power. This is in Capricorn, where Mars and Pluto are joined at the moment. Pluto is the dark lord of the underworld, wherein lie unresolved complexes that sabotage the attainment of the sunlit Taurian virtues of calm and serenity. I like that, that sort of contradiction between the two. What price in a piece is the question? Karmic time, Lord Saturn, dignified in its home sign Capricorn and aligning harmoniously with both sun and moon at the peak amplitude, is standing guard to ensure that karmic debts to self and other are repaid in a timely manner and that cosmic justice prevails that we reap what we have sown. Yeah, very interesting. And Capricorn, mm. of course, uh, I'm told by those who know, uh, being the house associated with the organisations and management and those sorts of things. Yeah. So very appropriate. To what appears to be going on yeah and i think that's that the notion of karmic debts you know when you look at these world affairs affairs moving in ways that are unexpected as you said kim jong-un was made out to be this this childlike you know madman who's a, could set off world war three any minute now and yet something else has now gone on that appears to have a, a different kind of energetic quotient to it some other push and pull underneath the surface of things as you said that's right while yeah. in america all this is going on with the trump administrations and the, and the battle for for who actually controls uh, this country and therefore the world so arguably exactly people have been splashing out on their karmic visa cards <laughs> and uh, sooner or later it's got to be repaid somewhere it's very high interest in the karmic debt uh, bank folks you've got to be aware of that that's for sure now folks if you want to drop us a text line and comment about anything that we are talking about or anything you'd like to bring our attention to you can text us on 043734 0437 comes up here on the uh, on the computer screen right in front of us that would be really good what else has been happening then that we can allude to because uh, I, I, th I am just coming back to the banking uh, the banking royal commission and yeah. AMP insurance company and, and these in great institutions supposedly of our free market economies democracy and yet are, are shown to be corporations which themselves uh, with the with the uh, the law back in the 1890s changed it means corporations actually are seen as 
as beings, as as people. That's which, right. They have the legal status, of legal an status of a human of an individual, which yeah. which means that those people who work for these corporations actually, are in a sense, sort of shielded from and guarded from uh, much from, uh, from liability, from certain liability, but not everything. So in a legal sense, yeah, in a legal sense, yeah. Yeah. yeah, interesting times. I mean, as we often discuss on the show, you know, we've we've passed the peak of the modern era, uh, which is individual uh, in nature, and uh, the corporate entity is just a classic example of how that's been playing out. And uh, things, you know, like a, I like to to liken it to a, a combustion engine. As it gets mm. older and older, the parts wear down. And as the parts wear down, the friction reduces, so the engine actually runs faster and produces more power yeah. just before it blows up, you know, just, just before the, the parts wear to the point where it loses compression and, and the engine dies. And this is what we're seeing in the modern era, is it's running faster and faster, and it seems to be getting more and more powerful, and that will continue right up to the point where it, it fails catastrophically. Yeah. Uh, and we're starting, already starting to see that decline. It's very, very clear that our political systems, our, many of our government systems and our economic systems just don't cut it anymore. The world has become too complex. Mm. They've been designed in a pre-internet era. Yeah, yeah. We're going to talk a little bit today about, um, with regards to, to Stephen, who's a special guest, Dr. Dr. Booth over here, uh, and uh, to talk about some uh, of, of your work with energy via acupuncture, qigong, tai chi, the like, and some of the more advanced things that you're looking at, both of you, in this realm, in this sphere, and why? Uh, and the question for me is, in terms of uh, Claire W. Graves' work and the stages, the levels, of the, the windows that we look through of evolution, of our growth, uh, that we are moving to a stage where um, what we call what's called transrational science comes into play. And I want to talk a little bit about how those ancient disciplines, those ancient Eastern modalities actually fit in somehow to this future expression of new kinds of science. Yeah. So... Yeah, cool. Um, so we might just start by yeah. talking a little bit about your background, uh, yeah. Steve, and what you've done, and uh, which uh, you know brings you to this point. So, um, so uh, let's start with martial arts because that's how you and I came together. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Uh, we both practice uh, a Chinese internal style martial art called Tai Chi Chuan, uh, and uh, and other aspects of um, related martial arts like Bagua. Steve's very much mm. into Bagua, which is a very spiraling circular art. Um, and so these are very traditional forms which embrace not just the martial aspect, but they're, they're Taoist uh, arts. And so they embrace the yin-yang, yin-yang, active-passive aspect of reality, and, and they have a healing aspect to them as well as a martial aspect. Which is um, one of the most interesting things about it is, is the way that we can move and, and change our inner state um, through movement and through body awareness. And that you know the Chinese have this idea that we have a, a body mind, not just a body and a mind that's separate, but this integrated thing. Yeah. And when we move, you can get a, a, a shift in, in your energy and a shift in your, your state of being. Um, so focusing your, your intention and your, or your mind on different aspects of your body and finding that place where they sit together, you get a, a shift in, in the way you feel. That's right, and also tapping into that innate intelligence in yes. the body. Yeah. Yeah, which, which that blew me away. How long have you been practicing martial arts? Um, so I did a little bit of martial arts as a teenager, just some Taekwondo and then um, some Wing Chun as well. But it was in year 12 I started doing some Tai Chi just at a local community centre and 
I'm at that point I've been interested in sort of mysticism for a little while and, and physics as well and mm. just found this way of uh, this this makes sense and I had these experiences where you know uh, this is outside of my normal way of being mm. and so from that I, I went and studied Tai Chi for a couple of years and became an instructor with one school and um, eventually found the, the current system that I'm working with, the, the Montague system and um, just blown away by the depth in it and the, the knowledge and that you can just keep going and going and going and I thought this is something I can sink my teeth into for, for a lifetime, you know. That's right and of course Earl uh, comes from this region, yeah, the mm. Northern Rivers region and uh, has passed away now but used to be based um, out the back of uh, the hills there down mm. south of Yukai um, until he, he moved over to the UK and then he passed away just a couple of years ago, didn't he? Yeah, around 2011. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And his son, uh, Eli, has taken over the school now. Yeah, he, he might be moving back yeah. um, next yeah, year, we're, possibly. We're yeah, we're looking forward to that possibility mm. for sure. Um, yeah, so so you've got a long history of martial arts. I've uh, been practising quite a while, yeah. uh, which is great. And, and I've been involved with Tai Chi Chuan for about 20 years now mm. as well. Uh, and it's been a profound experience of discovery um, not just from a martial perspective, but from a self-healing perspective, mm. and and the when you practice uh, these internal Chinese martial arts, they have a, a progression of martial and healing arts, I should say. There's a progression, so they start with self-healing, mm. and then progress into a martial phase, and then if you practice long enough, you can progress into a medical, medical phase, phase, which of course you've, you've done. So, so that's the three aspects of of qigong. Really, is is this martial development of the physical defensive part? Yeah. Then the, the the healing of, of self and then the healing for, for others as yeah. well. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And and the martial part, although it, it it's, seems paradoxical, mm. and, and and that is the the yin yang nature of reality itself mm. playing out through this art. Um, it develops your capacity to to move and uh, direct energy mm. uh, very forcefully, which then becomes extremely useful when you progress into the medical phase for working on other people's energy fields. Yeah, that's right. And and the mind aspect of of the way um, the martial aspects in Tai Chi work is that it accesses those parts of self. The um, you now we talk about the reptile brain or the brain stem as being the instinctive, responsible survival mechanism. And that's that's what we're tapping into when we're doing the um, self-defense aspects because we're looking for this subconscious reflexive counter-offensive movement. So when something happens, it's a, a startle survival mechanism. You just go into this um, mode of um, moving in a way that's uh, just for survival response. Mm. Um, what that does as well is is lights up the different parts of your brain and it shifts you away from. Um, you know, uh, thinking and logic, because if you're experienced in martial arts, you've, you've, you try and pre-plan movements, they don't work. Yeah, so it's, it's when, you, when you're in the moment um, that you get a, a response that, that matches what's happening in your environment and with your, your, your opponents or you, mm. yourself, yeah. Yeah, exactly, and it, this kind of practice is an amazing developmental pathway, isn't it? Um, in, in, multi, in a multi-dimensional way, so mm. there, it's a very, very deep, uh, um, Philosophy, I, you know, that's associated with it. Yeah, that's and, right. It's, um, I guess it's part of part of Taoism in that it's this study of understanding of, of the self and the universe and this um, macrocosm and microcosm. So, you know, if you look at Taoism as the the study of, of the world within the Tai Chi, we have um, sort of the the main form we practice, the Yang Li Chan's form, is broken into three energetic sections, and each section of the form moves 
the energy around the body, around the meridian system, as it would move naturally in the diurnal cycle. So you go through this phase that um, you know we're all aware of in the seasons and in the day and in the life cycle of uh, you know this waking up, living our lives in the day, and then coming back down and going through a, a death and dying process, and then a, a rejuvenation and rebirth, and, and the cycle keeps going around, and that's the cycle that's apparent in. The movements of the form you know you start from this still place and you slowly start to move and you get this uh i'm waking up and then you move your stuff around you have a play and then at the end you close back down and um it takes you through that that cycle and gives you the uh lived body experience of it as well mm, yeah so in a normal day uh those 12 main meridians mm -hmm. in the body uh, uh the energy focus is rotating through those yes right? in two hour blocks right yeah so they go through uh phases so um you know, we, we often we always relate things to, to the organs but it's it's also phases of energy movements so we start through this lung large intestine phase which is a, a taking in of uh inspiration in the lungs and then a releasing in the large intestine and then we sit and, and be during the stomach the, the earthing period and sort of get a flavor of what's going on in the world at that time and uh, get a, a sense of ah oh, this is how today is going to be and it's kind of that tapping into um, everything that comes out of astrology and, and just this, um, this sensing mm. Mm. Which, then, yeah, which equates to the natural rhythm, rhythm of life and, and like the, the first breath when we're born, you know, yeah. is the beginning, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Yeah, that, that brings up an interesting point around um, the Chinese concept of the psyche. And we have um, in Chinese understanding five aspects of psyche, and one of them is this uh, corporal soul, so the, the, the part that animates our corpse, uh, which is related to the breath and is said to enter on the first breath and leave on the last breath. Mm. But they recognise that we're more than that, and we have an incorporeal aspect as well, which they associate with the, the liver and about growth and aspiration as opposed to inspiration. Yeah. And, and of course, the whole art itself is very much centred around this Chinese medicine, understanding of energy meridians mm. in the body and uh, the influence of the elements and those sorts of things. Mm. Yeah. Which is just their, their, their mapping or their understanding of, of, of the self and the world, yeah. the cosmos. Yeah, which comes back to the Taoist philosophy, which really is just an observation of what is and, exactly. and the process exactly. of being, right? Yeah, and yeah. then what do we do with that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah what yeah. do we do with it? Yeah. So these, um, these rhythms that you that you're talking about, mm -hmm. um, which have been described in Tao's philosophy and these practices in various ways for thousands of years, mm. a long time. How do they apply now? Do we do we see? Do you see a waking up of people's alignment more, or need for, or desire to, or you know, or impulse to realign themselves to these natural rhythms? Because clearly we're so far out of that, natural absolutely. rhythms we're in so many being ways. Quite disconnected, we're, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, exactly. So is so, that in terms of the future? Is that what you, is something that you see happening? Yeah, in, and seeing emerging in, in, with great importance. Yeah. yeah. With great importance, mm. yeah. So uh, along the way, you, the um, the Taoist philosophy is, you, we often look back and say, oh, they they really got it back in the ancient times. <laughs> but you know, what what they had was this direct experience and um, understanding through um, maybe meditative practices or mystical experiences. And it's now with quantum physics, we're kind of seeing the correlation and, and the mapping understanding of that. Mm. Um, but definitely in, in our times now, we've got this, this need to reconnect with, with ourselves and each other and, and the world and, mm. and um, make some changes, yeah. Yeah, and I guess what's happening now, of course, is, uh, is the, uh, 
the confluence of technology and mm. these ancient practices and how those two are merging together and affirming each other, um, you know, enhancing the practices to some degree. Yeah, which, which I'm quite excited about. You know, mm. anything we can do to accelerate our, our learning mm. and um, our sharing is, is exciting. So the potential for maybe virtual reality type type learning of, the, say, the Tai Chi forms or the way things work or... Um, the geometries within the acupuncture we were discussing the other night. Would Can we do it like Neo in the Matrix? Because I don't well, really want to go through that, 20 years. That would be cool, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> just there, there, I, I wish, is, mate. I wish. There, there <laughs> is a lot about the learning. That the, the, the journey itself is, oh, is the learning damn, as well, you know? Really? So, yeah. Uh, um, but, I don't want to hear there, that. There, there is <laughs> no. probably ways of transmitting that, I, I imagine. Yeah. You know, um, Definitely being yes. in the fields of people that have achieved mastery in their, in their world, um, does give you a, does give me anyway a sense of um, mm. of uh, imparting knowledge. Yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah, cool. We're talking to Dr. Stephen Booth, who is our special guest here on Future Sense with Steve McDonald and myself, Nick Jeans. For all of you out there, strangers in a strange land, you're grokking Future Sense here on Bay FM. Yeah, you're tuned to Bay FM 999 here on Future Sense with uh, Nick Steve and our special guest Stephen Booth. And uh, we're talking a little bit about um, Qigong and the Eastern methodology, ancient as it is, and how it applies to the movement in the future towards healing and connection to one's own rhythms and patterns and, uh, and uh, energy levels and energy movement through the body and through the system beyond that as well. I'm interested in the notion of transrational science I mentioned earlier uh, as described by Claire W. Graves and other, others uh, in that second tier of consciousness beyond the, the first tier, the first six stages and levels which we are now hopefully reaching an end of and moving towards what uh, Graves called the momentous leap. And as part of that a descriptor is that uh, the next stage of consciousness, uh, when we get there, hopefully not too long in the future, um, will be exemplified partly by the way we do science and this notion of transrational science. What does that mean? What's, what's, that, how's, what's it referred to? I, I guess it's probably best understood if we just take a walk through science and how it's evolved. Uh, and it, it really is, of course, a way of knowing. Um, you know, it's a way of observing and deducing the truth, I guess. Mm. And if, if we go, let's go back to the fourth layer of consciousness, which Graves called absolutistic, and this is uh, the worldview, the way of being that emerged with the agricultural revolution, which allowed us as human beings to gather together in towns and cities for the first time because mm. we could produce large-scale agriculture. It was no longer you know, a matter of growing your food around your house. Yeah. Um, and then that gave birth to you know the richness of society as we know it i guess and deep philosophy it was the first layer or stage where the rational mind became dominant um, with the development of the frontal lobes and the capacity to moderate our more basic instincts and urges and lead a more disciplined life mm -hmm. um, so very very significant and back then knowledge always came from a higher authority and, and often that was a god of some sort where the laws of how to live were passed down and the, the classic example is because Moses, Moses receiving the, the laws on top of the hill uh, and then coming down and said hey I saw a burning, burning bush and all that kind of stuff um, and it's a very sing 
single-minded lock way. Lock him up, lock him up. <laughs> it was a very, it's a, a very single-minded way of being, a very linear way of thinking, where there is one truth that people will latch on to. And mm. it, it emerges, of course, out of the, the wildness of the third layer, which is a very egocentric, impulsive way of living mm. where everything was very much in the moment and a, a matter of satisf- satisfying needs and urges and those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, so the fourth way it brought the discipline, it brought, it brought this idea of a single law, a, a, rule, a set of rules that uh, tell us how to live life and a black and white way of, of seeing things as either right, being according to the rules, or wrong, yeah. you know, transgressing the rules. And then over time, um, the evolution of that fourth layer created a lot of frustration because people got sick of just having to follow one path, right, and, and always sticking by this one set of rules, and there was frustration that developed, and that was the tension that gave rise to the next level of uh, human consciousness, which was the fifth layer, uh, which is the modern paradigm as we know it, so mm-hmm. the t- scientific, industrial, corporate, uh, military kind of mindset, uh, strategic military, that is. Um, and this is where modern science as we know it emerged and it emerged from this movement from a a single linear perspective branching out into multiple possible perspectives and still uh, looking from the single point of reference but looking at multiple options Mm. and then learning how to experiment with those options to find out which was the best option or in the case of science which was the real truth you know, and testing which which one gives us the same results over when we repeat these experiments and, yeah. and therefore that becomes the truth but the important aspect of this kind of science is that it was always evolving it was never static and I think this is something that's been lost in, in recent scientific dialogue globally is this idea that science is fixed and uh, and I guess you know the classic example is the climate debate whereas this is the way it is the science is in you can't argue with the science but of course if you can't argue with the science it's no longer science it's dogma and it's actually slipping back into the fourth layer of consciousness scientism where, isn't it yeah scientism, scientism. exactly exactly so yeah. it's, it's really important just to appreciate that classic modern science is an evolving feast it's never fixed it's always this is what we know at the moment and we're continuing to discover the things yeah. we don't understand yet yeah, yeah exactly and exactly. it's interesting too just quickly to the word rational itself has become almost you know the measurement for something that has authority that has, you know, the imprimatur of of, uh, of governments or organisations or officialdom or whoever supposedly claims to be experts. If it's rational, yeah. it's sensible, it's right somehow. Yeah. yeah, There's a big move for that within Chinese medicine at the moment um, towards this, how, how do we understand what qi is and how acupuncture works and these things. And we are really looking at... Um, the, the science of what happens when you put a needle in someone, you know, you get mm. capillary dilation and blood flow, but you get the release of different chemicals within the body that we can we can study. We can look at histamine responses and the way the skin goes red and mm. that affects, you know, people's immune systems or the release of um, pain-killing chemicals and endocannabinoids and the endorphins and all these things. Um, what that creates as well is this uh, inner experience so we're, we're having a, a shift in inside of ourselves and in our subjective experience. And that, that's the place I'm really interested in going with acupuncture in the future and mm-hmm. evolving our understanding of what's going on and yeah. moving into this sort of transrational place with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so continuing through this process of evolution, the emerging paradigm at the moment, which is very, very present globally as we transition out of this fifth modern uh, era, um, is to the sixth layer or stage which Graves called relativistic 
And the key change here is that whereas in the previous layers of consciousness, the point of observation was fixed. Uh, and you could see things linearly, you could see things multiplistically in the fifth layer, and all of a sudden in the sixth layer that point of observation becomes movable. Mm -hmm. So we literally developed the capacity to step out of our own shoes and into someone else's shoes mm -hmm. and see what appears to be the truth from their perspective. And this, of course, is playing havoc with modern science mm -hmm. and is actually deconstructing modern science. Um, and, and this is you know, um, very, very present in... Uh, public dialogue, particularly again around the climate change issue. Um, and once you can step into someone else's shoes and take a different perspective on things, then where is the truth then? You know, the truth is no longer something that can be discovered and made certain through experimentation and evolved. It becomes radically different depending on which perspective you take on something. And there's a classic image uh, that gets around on the internet out of a of a cylinder, a three-dimensional cylinder with lights shining on it from different angles and from the side the cylinder casts a square shadow mm. and from the end the cylinder casts a circular oh, yeah, shadow yeah. but it's, it's the same shape yeah. but the perspective is radically different and that, that just uh, typifies this sixth way of being human. Defining um, what truth is and yeah, based on perspective. Exactly and so um, you know some people say we're, we've, we're moving into a world beyond truth mm. where truth is no longer truth you know mm. uh, and uh, all, all of the scandal around fake news and, mm. you know, the difficulty discerning what's real, what's true, what's not real, what's not true and those sorts of things. Um, and the other aspect that comes into play with this sixth layer is, is the uh, focus on human values and morality. And so we start to see moral imperatives being introduced to science. Uh, and again, I, I don't like to keep harping back to the climate change issue, but it's probably the most concerning piece of science globally at the moment that's, mm. that's you know, troubling people uh, mm. with uh, all of the, the risks and threats and things we need to cope with as the climate changes. Um, and uh, we see uh, examples of scientists doing the traditional modern scientific method, gathering the data, but then deciding not to report what the data mm. says, but what they think is morally imperative, mm. right? Um, which is seen to be corrupting the scientific process and it's certainly deconstructing it and uh, creating tension for us to develop a whole new concept of what science actually is and how science works. Uh, and of course in the background you've got the whole quantum mechanics issue bubbling away which is really representative of the next layer, the seventh stage uh, yeah. of, of human consciousness. Yes. Um, and so as we, as we move beyond the sixth, what happens is we, we go through what Claire Graves called this momentous leap, momentous leap of consciousness, which is really development of a kind of quantum consciousness, which, be, which is multidimensional, and it plays out as an explosion of new sensory awareness. All of a sudden, we become aware of multiple dimensions. Uh, and and can work with that. We become aware of paradox mm. and find ways of working with paradox, mm. which is, and these things are not rational, mm. okay? We're, so we're moving that boundary between six and seven is the boundary between a rational phase across uh, stages four, five, and six, and the transrational, which begins with seven. Yeah. And so transrational science is open to all sorts of data mm. that modern science would discard as being meaningless and not reliable yeah. uh, because we can start to sense things that we couldn't sense before. Things like intuition, for example. Mm. Absolutely, yes. absolutely, yeah. And, and uh, intuition in the sense of, of 
quantum communication uh, in the classic um, experimental case of the of the um, split particles, you know, which are not locally connected but mm. which respond to each other remotely because there's a direct knowing mm. between those two which they and, call and, and respond to observation as well which comes back to that Taoist Ex- idea exactly of and making observations of the world yes mm. and the influence of the observer, of mm. the observer exactly the interaction yeah mm. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. And so in this in this emergence of the seventh stage, we're moving into a whole new way of being human. Claire Graves classified the first six stages as really uh, a survival phase of human existence where the, the key question in life was, how do I survive? How do I survive given these life conditions? And with the seventh stage, we start a completely new phase of being human, uh, which Graves characterised as um, driven by the question, who am I being? Yeah, who am I being? Yeah. So all of the uh, the Eastern approach that that uh, you both have been involved in for a long time. How do you see, how do you see that now factoring into what Steve's saying? How, the the movement towards the interest in the new science around uh, the subjective uh, analysis of people's actual experience, rather than what they're supposed to experience or what someone's told them to experience. All of those factors seem to be coming more and more into our consciousness, into our culture through all of these kind of practices and modalities. I think there's a a place where we're becoming more okay with the idea Mm -hmm. that things are different ways, Mm -hmm. possibly at once, based on on our perspective. Yeah, different ways, possibly at once. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. um, I I think that's something that the Taoists were were, and are Mm -hmm. um, all right with, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, this this idea that um, our act of observation changes things and we have an influence on the world and the world influences us and it's this dynamic interplay. Mm. Mm. And that brings up an interesting point. So, so Graves said that there's this uh, interrelatedness and interactiveness between the complexity of life conditions and the adaptive nature of human consciousness. And, and so when we're talking about physical life conditions and the development of complexity through technology and those sorts of things, it's, it's very much dependent upon linear time and the emergence, the invention, the creation of, of this complexity. Um, but if we talk uh, about the spiritual line of development, in that interdimensional world, this complexity has always existed. Mm. And so the spiritual line of development and, and this, this is my opinion, this is not what Graves wrote, but this yeah. is my opinion. It, by tapping into this inter, interdimensional consciousness, which has always been possible throughout time, we can interact with this comp- complexity uh, and we can access great complexity, you know, infinite complexity, which is not accessible in the material world. And so I think this explains why there is great wisdom in the spiritual traditions, which goes back, you know, way, way back in history, um, and how this great wisdom was able to be um, developed mm. through the compl- complex interaction with inter interdimensional mm. um, reality. And having yeah. those peak mystical experiences yeah. that, that change your perspective dramatically. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So we can look at Taoism and we can see that some of the principles described in the Taoist scriptures, uh, like the Tao Te Ching and, and those mm. sorts of things, 
really can reflect very advanced states of consciousness. And and the flow state concept that comes through in Taoism is very, very relevant and characteristic of mm. the seventh stage which is emerging, you know, in the in the material world now. Mm. The key phrase there being the flow state. Mm. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, that's a very, very Taoist principle and, yeah. and, and a central theme of, of the art that we practice, of course. That's it. And my understanding of flow is that it's about being now. Yes. And, and the idea that, you know, what's time anyway and the quantum mm. understanding of, you know, maybe time's not linear or, you know, it all exists at once, possibly, you know. It's a big breakdown because when you're talking about flow like that, I immediately think about the way that we are, have been for the last couple of hundred years in the previous stages of development in five and six in particular, five moving into six that we're, we're in now in many places in the world. And that notion that flow up in this last couple of hundred years has been stopped or interrupted or curtailed or managed by an endless number of sort of roadblocks to the flow, you know, in terms of the way we rationally see things, in terms of the way we regulate things and, and yeah. the laws that we make and, uh, and the way that we sort of do everything, the way we bring up our children, the way we do schooling. Which is one of the news reports today is, is this idea that's suddenly arrived, of like every child should be educated mm. in their own way, which, of course, is the original meaning of the word educare, which is to draw out of people not to you know impose so somehow it seems that we are moving towards a place now where a lot of these roadblocks to the flow are either being challenged or being removed or certainly being questioned in, in a variety of ways yeah that's for sure yeah in the the development of the rational mind you know beyond the the basic pre-rational phase where we were really just responding to things that arose within us mm. um you know the rational mind allowed us to moderate that but yep. then its limitation was that it, it, we, we were kind of stuck in our head mm. you know and we had to we were thinking you know what do i do here and how can i do that and those sorts of things and and so we're expanding beyond that with the transrational mm. and tapping into this this intelligence which permeates everything. Mm. Um, the idea of flow implies that the, something's not fixed. Yes. And, you know, in Tai Chi we have this saying about uh, flow like the great river mm. and talking about the way rivers aren't the same all the way along. You go through times where it expands out into a, a big wide Delta. expansive space mm. and then yeah. it might go into rapids and, mm. and everything in between and there's currents underneath mm. and it, it's, it's, it's change. Flow indicates change. Mm. Yeah, mm. Constant, constant change, yeah, yeah. Very good. Excellent. Interesting discussion. You're resonating right now on Future Sense with Steve McDonald and Nick Jeans. Yeah, you're tuned to Bay FM 99.9. You are with us here on Future Sense. Uh, it's 10.07 a.m. Myself, Nick Jeans, Steve McDonald, my co-host, and our guest, Stephen Booth, in the studio. And thanks for your couple of texts there. Some people think Dow's are a bit evil, but there's a difference between... Dao's religion and, and uh, deeper Dao's practices, aren't they? Just to respond to that briefly. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, it, it's interesting to look how Taoism has, has evolved over the time. And um, I, I guess it was you know, probably very influenced by, by very, very old pagan practices uh, and uh, emerged as a, a philosophy, so really as a, as a way of observing and interacting with reality yeah. and discovering um, through through material and non-material uh, avenues the nature of reality and reality as a process and 
uh, I'm by no means an expert on this, but in my travels through China, um, I've got a friend who's a, a travel guide writer who's been studying and writing about China for many years. So he was uh, he was a good tour guide and just explained to me that with uh, Buddhism migrating from from India, uh, you know, and, and yeah. interacting uh, with people in China, and and the sort of famous story, of course, of Bodhidharma, who was the monk who came from India. Um, bringing knowledge of Buddhism and, and meeting with the Taoist monks who were kind of living a, a typical monk type life, you know, cloistered away in, in just uh, like us, right? That, that's right. <laughs> with, with the neo monks, <laughs> yeah. Um, and and uh, lacking physical exercise, you know, because they were meditating most of the time and studying and living on mountaintops. Uh, and then introducing them to the, the physical practices from India, which I guess, you know, born out of the yogic traditions, mm, air, mm, breathing mm. techniques, physical exercise Probably techniques yeah. and those sorts of things, yeah. out of which, you know, the, the modern day Chinese martial arts are supposed to have evolved. Uh, and then with the spread of Buddhism through uh, China, there seems to be a, like a competitive dynamic um, that emerged between Buddhism and, and Taoism and Taoism kind of uh, started to take on a religious structure uh, I guess right. with the influence of ancestor worship and those sorts of things um, you know which was traditional in China and so Taoism uh, has parts of Taoism have developed into what is essentially now a religion yeah. um, with with you know some dogmatic practices and teachings and those yeah. sorts of things so they went through their own fourth stages their own absolutistic yes. um, expression of Taoism at least in, in part yeah in that's right so yeah. so what a lot of people encounter as Taoism mm. today is essentially a religious kind of a structure right. with with dogma attached which is quite different than the the traditional Taoist philosophy which was born out of simple observation and practice that's right so it's, it's separate from this uh, idea of ancestor worship and and, and uh, religious practices but yep. Taoist philosophy is uh, looking at understanding the, the nature of the self and the universe and the, the interaction between them and um, I guess from my experience one of the differences um, having studied a little bit of um, Buddhist practice as well is that the Buddhist practice seems to be uh, a, a, more of a passive process, where Taoism is more of a, an active or generative process. That, that's probably the differentiating factor from, from my experience. Yes. Yeah. It makes yeah. sense. Yeah, mm. and, and Buddhism has a very strong rational aspect to it. You know, it's very, very uh, focused around uh, describing structures mm. uh, of reality and those sorts of things. Mm. Yeah. And, yeah, and this, this wait and observe. As opposed to um, be and do, and um, yeah. you know, the, Engage the following with. the way. You know, the Tao means the way, mm. and the, the way of all things. You know. mm. Yeah, Is of course, the the Taoist, you know, traditional Taoist practice also had a, a very um, alchemical, shamanic aspect yes, to it yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. Mm. You guys have been experimenting with regards to all of these ideas uh, since you've been up here visiting Stephen in various ways uh, with esoteric acupuncture mm. uh, can you talk a little bit to that Absolutely. what that is and what that means and so, what you've what you're discovering esoteric acupuncture is um, I mean all as, all acupuncture has a as an esoteric kind of component to mm. all, at least um, in in the past at the moment there's this um, idea of dry healing and it's, it's all uh, like a, just a purely physical muscular response that we're looking for mm. we're looking at uh, the bigger picture and the interaction of um, consciousness and, and the body and the universe um, esoteric acupuncture uh, it, it's come through uh, Mikio Sankey so it's, it's a modern um, modern development and its purpose is to uh, raise consciousness 
uh, which is really interesting to me. Um, so it's based on uh, connecting geometrical structures within the body um, based on triangles, so triangles being the, the signature for tetrahedrons and uh, indicating spirals, and being used as, as simple shapes that are containers for information. You know, chi is just another way of saying information, really. Um, so by connecting uh, places in, in the bodies, in, in, uh, especially in, in the mental body as, as being a, a bridge between the, the, the physical and the, the cosmic, I guess, um, that we create these, these links and that creates its own uh, field of intelligence that then does something. So when we, when we do it uh, with acupuncture, we're uh, placing needles in the body which uh, act as uh, antennas and, and transmitters um, which draw our attention of, of our mind and uh, make connections which then uh, relate to, to different things. You know, you know, different parts of the body field have uh, the ability to access different things. For instance, if you put your mind in, in your heart, mm -hmm. it's easiest to, to tap into loving sensations and loving feelings um, and feeling like, oh, I'm okay and safe. Mm -hmm. and Or uh, one of the, the main points that we use in esoteric acupuncture is right on, on top of the head um, called Tian Men or Celestial Fullness which is about reaching our, our highest potentials and this is uh, this movement upwards um, yeah. energetically. So by connecting these points, we can uh, use intention and um, understand or attempt to the, the mysteries. You know. yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So, so the work that we've been doing has been... Um building on our our current knowledge and of course um uh, steven and i have come from from somewhat different perspectives mm. to to this point uh both but but sharing the physical embodied Taoist practice mm. of, of um, internal chinese martial arts um and uh you know it's because the the martial art that we practice and martial and healing art we practice is is based around the Chinese medicine principles, um, it, it naturally sort of uh, engenders a, a curiosity about you know the, the detail of the Chinese medicine. It has for me, and of course, it's driven you to actually become a doctor of Chinese medicine, yeah. which is awesome. It's, it's something that I've always wanted to do, but just haven't had time. Um, and uh, and then of course, uh, it directly correlates with uh, human consciousness, which is something that I have dived into in, in great depth. And so the two of us coming together, it's like a couple of pieces of the puzzle mm. coming together and we're filling in gaps for each other, which has been mm. extraordinary, really, over the last mm, few days. And as for me personally, it's helped me put some structure around my direct experiences from, from my practice and, and simple things like um, you know, the, the, the physical art. Uh, is it's really it's a lot to do with geometry because it's about yeah. placing the body in different positions um, which can in, in terms of the idea of the body as an antenna an energy antenna it's kind of like fiddling with your old TV antenna on the roof you know <laughs> to make sure you can get the, the certain channels exactly. more clearly and those sorts of things um, and, and sometimes if you just turn the antenna a little bit you can pick up channels you couldn't pick up before don't know. touch that dial <laughs> exactly um, using things like like posture and, and intent and um, mm. you know, even uh, say mudra practice where you're, you're making connections with the hands mm. to to develop a certain inner state mm. um, and, yeah. and so in the same way that uh, receiving a TV channel is a way of receiving information mm. then the same thing applies to uh, 
the physical practice where certain postures will give you access to certain information. And one of the profound things that happened to me during my process of learning Tai Chi Chuan was uh, as I practiced this old traditional, uh, the old uh, Yang Le Chan form, mm. um, or the old Yang style form that we practice, uh, is coming to particular places in the form where I found that it was no longer my mind thinking about doing something and then directing the body to do it, but that process was reversed. Oh, yes. And, and I found that my body was doing something and my mind's uh, being educated by yes. the movement, which was just profound for me. And I, I went to the, the master of our school, Earl, you know, and I said, hey, Earl, I got to this point of the form and um, my hand wants to do three circles here. And Earl just said, yeah, that's right. <laughs> but it, but it, no one had taught me that. My body had taught me that. And that was a yeah. profound realisation yeah, for the me. other ways of knowing, you know, that, that in, innate intelligence and, and body intelligence. Yeah. I mean, that, that brings up an interesting thing for someone like myself who, who hasn't practised this particular form and did a lot of yoga for many years mm. and I've done a little bit of Tai Chi a long time ago and, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with some of these things but not very much but what it brings up straight away in me with regards to what you're saying, both of you, but Steve, is is it possible then for an individual in touch with their body on that level, however they get to that point, to create their own movements that will be as beneficial and as connected potentially as the as the traditional forms? Is that is that possible? Because yes. sometimes I've, just personal experience, sometimes I find myself in certain states of moving my body in a way that just feels... Yeah, that, you know, that's exactly it. That yeah. spontaneous qigong yes. is, is the idea of spontaneous the highest qigong. qigong. So we're, we're always doing energy work. We're always moving oh, goodness, energy. It takes me 20 years right there. So, you know, for, for me, some of the yeah, most interesting moments is, you know, when I just get out of bed and I just have to move in a certain way, yeah. everything just clicks, you know, mm. or mm. Um, ad adopting postures just um, through following mm. what needs to happen in, in my body, um, especially almost, in those healing states. Yeah, yeah, it's almost like that's the purpose or one of the purposes of actually having a body mm. is is to be informed by your saying, Steve, before the mind actually comes in and does its number, does its tries to mm. contain or structure or decide yeah. or analyze what's going on, exactly. but actually the body just yeah and, and you know if you look at the progression of human consciousness the same principles apply so we start out in this pre-rational stage where we're, we're driven by urges and instincts and those things that arise within us you know the, the natural uh, way of being and then we move into a rational stage where we give it structure right mm. and the structure helps to gain some level of control over those natural pre-rational things uh, and it takes us you know it advances us to a certain way but then there comes a time where you have to move beyond the structure into yeah. formlessness which is which equates to the second tier consciousness mm. that we're talking about uh, and so so with all of these physical practices Nick mm. um, there'll always be a form to to learn whether you're learning yoga or any any kind of these traditional yeah. physical practices in martial arts there are preset patterns that you learn but the progression is to move beyond the structure to formlessness you know and you come to formlessness through form someone has written in a couple of things their second text says it very simply it says we are in a field of energy in which we can tune in really simple uh, but the previous text from the same writer the process of the actuality of what arises as human consciousness is different from what is thought about what arises the actuality arises first prior to the thinking aspect, and this is always so. By, by bypassing thought, we are in the real, real tie, mm -hmm. reality, the real tie of consciousness and thus reach the highest potential. Mm. 
Yeah, and that just equates to what I just said, basically. Um, And I would add to that, I would say yes and, Mm -hmm. that in the process of development, our consciousness expands and we are able to uh, perceive and act in union with things that previously in earlier stages we could not perceive beyond rational understanding yeah yeah Yeah. so so um as as with a lot of the discussion around these things it's easy to think that because we're moving beyond rationality we're going back to pre-rationality and that's a common misconception Mm. but in fact you know there are two bands of non-rationality there's Uh the original pre-rational then there's the rational band and then there's the trans-rational which is a massive expansion on on the pre-rational Uh, and so it's important to to see that vertical structure and not just a sort of a flat uh, you know place of moving the pieces around same writer has now written following the innate intelligence is the state of the intuitive i'll shut up you guys are onto it the, ra- <laughs> the rational is mostly f-u-c-o-r word that i can't use it this time of the morning thanks for those uh, comments very good you're tuned to Future Sense with Nick Jeans and Steve McDonald. Engage, emerge, activate, and spiral up. And you're listening to Future Sense with Nick Jeans and Steve McDonald. And our special guest today is Dr. Stephen Booth, Doctor of Chinese Medicine and martial artist extraordinaire and longtime friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're talking about uh, matters of Eastern philosophy and medicine and martial arts uh, and uh, esoteric acupuncture. So tell us a little bit about Mikio Senki. Yeah, so Mikio is one of these uh, super intelligent people. He's, he's Japanese-American and he's gone through his own journey of uh, martial arts and music and other things. He's got this capacity for both left brain and right brain thinking that's just extraordinary. He's... Uh, one of these guys that must read several books a day, you know, he's, he's um, studied uh, Western mystical traditions and, and synthesised that with uh, the Chinese medicine understanding and the understanding of, of consciousness. So, again, it's like that, that idea of, of, um, of, of looking out and trying to understand the world and the self. But his, his mission, um, from what I understand, is to raise the consciousness of the planet. And um, to that end, he's... he's um, transmitted this uh, system of acupuncture using geometrical structures to integrate um, uh, higher consciousness in, into the now, in, into into us. Okay, and geometrical structures, inner, yeah. inner geometrical structures. Inner geometrical yeah. structures. Um, so the, the understanding of there's uh, of fields and dif- different body fields, so you've, you might have the, the physical field and the etheric field surrounding it, which is, is still part of the physical really. Uh, you've got the, the astral bodies or the, the dreamlike bodies, um, huh. then the mental body of, of, of thought, and it's in that place where we're making these geometrical structures to uh, integrate. Mm. Okay. Yes, so so um, many of the traditional teachings say that each state of consciousness is associated with a body, a type yes. of body. Yeah. Yeah. And and this mental body is kind of the the bridging gap that where that quantum leap occurs from from what I understand anyway yeah um, so mapping out this this geometry with intent um, into the body for instance making a, a connection um, usually to, to the heart or the, the higher heart through um, through the top of the head to the, the heart of the divine mm. um, and the divine within and and making that a you know he, he calls it the inner marriage of the twin flames within and without and uh, we're often talking about this um, uh, vertical alignment and vertical lift with um, 
what in traditional Chinese medicine is the um, Xiao Yin or fire and water balance. It's another way of saying yin and yang or masculine and feminine. So we'll use upward and downward pointing triangles to yes. to direct that. Um, so the, the upward triangles, you know, they classically represent the, the masculine or yang mm. aspects and the downward ones would be the, the uh, feminine and the yin. And uh, so the, the imagery for esoteric acupuncture becomes that Star of David or Merkabah yeah. structure and, and has the aspects of the, the Kabbalah. Just explain what a Merkabah is for those who don't know so, just briefly. Um, it's a it's complex the, topic in itself. Yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> It's the chariot that the we chariot. That we ride in. Yeah, the the light body for yeah. transporting our um, ourselves. Mm. Mm. Good. And let's. I'll come back to that in a minute. Mm. But just for those people out there who who might not know anything about acupuncture, um, can you just tell us mm. I mean, what exactly is an acupuncture point? What does it represent? Yeah. Um, it's like a, a, a tuning point where you can uh, access a, a certain thing. So each acupuncture point has its own. Uh, nature then it does a specific thing um, in terms of moving the energy so um, some of the points might descend energy or disperse energy or um, expand energy um, they're, in, they're like portals yeah yeah, yeah. in terms of, of uh, physics and the concept of vibrational waves mm -hmm. do those points equate to nodes in I uh, like, like, for example, where, where a series of vibrations come together and form a node. Is that the kind of... Yeah, that, that sounds right to me. Yeah. So um, my experience of, of, of resting your mind on a specific place and tuning into what the feeling is there, which might change from time to time about where you're at in your life yeah, and, yeah. and all those things. And I know I used to be a helicopter pilot, right, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is all about vibration. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and in the construction of a helicopter, like, for example, in the helicopter's transmission, which is full of spinning uh, gears, mm -hmm. uh, and you've got... You've got um, interacting vibrations from the rotation of the main rotor blades from mm -hmm. the rotation of all of the gears inside the the transmission or the gear box mm -hmm. which are different sizes running at different speeds and then you've got a turbine engine mm -hmm. which is full of rapidly spinning mm -hmm. uh, like you know you're talking very very high rpm turbines uh, and then you've got a, a rotating tail shaft which goes down to a smaller gearbox on the tail which drives the tail rotor which is uh, rotating at right angles in a right angle uh, the plane of rotation is at right angles to the plane of the, yeah. the main rotor blade um, rotation. And then the main rotor blade, if you think of that spinning as a disc, you, that, the pilot tilts that backwards, forwards, left and right. So mm -hmm. it's a shifting plane. Yep. And so you get a very, very complex series of vibrations mm -hmm. in a helicopter. And, you know, people jokingly describe helicopters as a, as a you know, a bunch of nuts and bolts that are trying to shake themselves apart all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and so when, when you're building a helicopter... Sounds very encouraging. I'm going up straight away. Yeah, totally, totally. Mm -hmm. um, that's why helicopter pilots always look worried. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so when you're building a helicopter, you've got to take into account all of these interacting mm -hmm. vibrations within the machine mm -hmm. and, and for for example, when you fix the transmission on a mounting frame to the main body of the helicopter, they look for the nodes, the vibrational nodes, where there's a quiet point. Mm, that meeting place. The meeting stillness. place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The yeah. eye of the hurricane, mm. so to speak. Exactly. Yeah, 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 because that there is the, the least stress mm. on the on the structure of the machine, right? Um, yeah, so that that fits. Mm. So it's this idea of finding that still place or that center, and we relate that to the heart energy, um, yeah. which is in Chinese medicine the shen. So it's not just the the physical heart we're talking about. You know, when we talk about the heart of things, we're talking about the center. 
Mm. So yeah, finding that still place where everything meets and and the, the spinning is happening, but yeah. we're also in stillness in this um, being in two places at once kind of thing. Do mm. so the Chinese see that? Shen has its own intelligence because it's something we're starting to see with like the Heart Math Institute for example mm. in America that we refer to quite a bit it's been in action for quite a long time now 20 30 years or so easy and that notion that the heart is is not just physical uh, it's not just spiritual but it actually is um, you know it, it has an intelligence yeah, so of its own Chinese say there's uh, five aspects of, of Shen mm. um, as being a, the overall spirit but one of them is the the heart spirit or the Xin um, which is is related to the heart, which is the um, the, the higher mind or the, the divinity mm. um, aspect. Um, then we, we have other aspects of you know um, uh, mental intelligence, um, uh, the inspiration, aspiration, the, the lungs, large intestine, the, the mm. uh, corporeal and incorporeal souls, as well as our, our mission for this one lifetime, which is the um, the kidney energy or the the genetic imprint. Mm. Mm. And and the, the overall shen is that interaction of all of those different things and um yeah what's your mission um, this lifetime yeah put, um, put you on the spot Ooh. yeah oh he's going to answer to i like it yeah um <laughs> so several things and I'm, yeah. I'm developing and refining that but um i'm really feeling this this pull that my my personal mission is is to be involved in this raising of global consciousness mm. yeah the, I, I don't feel that there's anything more important than that yeah yeah, but because it's going to help everyone, and especially, um, you know, when when you've had these uh, big opening experiences and you experience, you know, maybe being everything, then what do you do with that? You come back and well, may as well just love, you know, that love is the answer, yeah. and, and spreading this um, positive vibration energy. That's that's what else matters, and. Um, the thing that I get from that is that I have a nicer time. If, if I'm in my in my heart and being loving, it, it filters out into the world, yeah, and, and my inner world changes. It's sort of no brainer, isn't it? Yeah, I guess it's, it's, it's like a no brainer. Yeah. Return, you, yeah. you feel good. It's amazing yeah, how many so people um, that's, just that's don't. Selfish aspect to that, but yeah, it's, yeah. I want to feel better. No, but it's right. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing it's how many people situation. don't choose yeah. that, and yet it generally makes you feel yeah. better to. Be loving, to love, yeah, to choose love. Yeah, of course, some people don't know that they have a choice. Well, yeah, that's, no, that, that's, that's, that's probably true. it. Yeah, and, yeah. and we're just subject to what's going on around mm, us. Exactly, but that, yeah, that idea that we, we are creating the world around us with our, with our thoughts and influencing things, mm. then why not do it in a... In a is, that, a, is that itself a Dow's perspective? That, that that's a, Is that a bit of a stretch that we actually are creating... Yeah, um, oh, I, I like that sort of... You know, the eyes are sort of <laughs> narrowing, going, hmm... Yeah. Yeah, so sure I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, if you look at that that work of uh, Fritjof Capra from the the late seventies, mm -hmm. where he's, he's, yeah, the Tao of Physics, mm -hmm. it, it really talks about that and that we are um, beings, creating beings, mm -hmm. and you know, um, mm -hmm. how did the universe come about? Did it you know dream itself into existence and all that sort of stuff? So yeah, I think the yeah. tricky part about that is understanding that. It's not just small you that's no, creating that's everything right. else. It's, it's, it's small you as a yeah. as a, a an element of <laughs> yeah, the larger, the larger you, right? Yeah, the big uh, you, the uh, universe. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> the that process, <laughs> process of interacting. Mm. You know. mm. um, let's just go a little deeper with the esoteric acupuncture. Yeah. So mm. we're working with the acupuncture points in mm. the body, mm -hmm. and then we're looking at the geometry which is essentially drawing lines right between yep. different points mm -hmm. on, on the body and then the geometric shapes that emerge uh, and particularly um, triangulations mm -hmm. yeah and then 
the fact that those triangles, maybe maybe just give us an example of one of those triangular energy relationships in the body that people at home can kind of imagine and get a sense of. Yeah, so um, we're just talking about uh, you know what's what's the mission in life. So one of them would be to tap into uh, the point, the highest point on on top of your head, which represents that celestial fullness or your highest potential. And if you were to make a triangle in your mental body down to the centre of both palms, a point that is called a lao gong or the place of work, and this is. You know, we use our hands to interact and touch and love and heal and smash things and, you know, interact with the world, uh, manifestation. So we're, we're joining up and making a, a big triangular shape from the top of your head to your hands to, and that programs some sort of in, intelligence and intention. Mm. Mm. From that, we can also make a, another connection to the heart centre, so the centre of your heart space in the middle of your sternum, which is, is that place of uh, loving resonance. Mm. And then seeing that geometry, we have a, a triangle with a dot in the centre and you can join the, the corners to the centre and then you've got three triangles pointing in. But then what happens if you sit with it, you can also move that into a three-dimensional pattern, the tetrahedron, by extending the heart point outside your body. And then we have this um, tetrahedron structure with its own intelligence that we've programmed with our intention and just sitting with it. What happens to me anyways is I'm transported to this other place where the geometry and the intelligence of it unfolds or, or moves or spins or collapses inwards um, according to where I am and I, I get a shift. I get a shift inside and I get a feeling shift and I get uh, maybe meaning or yeah. a sense of change and something's yeah. different to how it was and I, I feel better and I feel more aligned. And, yeah. um, you know, that triangle is, is an upward-pointing overall triangle, an upward-pointing tetrahedron, which has that idea of positivity in it. So it yeah. makes you feel good. Hmm. And, and one of the experiences we can have when we go through those kind of processes is an altered state of consciousness. Absolutely. In, in my early years of practice um, in our martial art, uh, one of the first things that we get taught is, is what's called the standing chikung, hmm. uh, which is a static position where we hold our body in a particular shape. Uh, and and basically meditate in that shape, focusing on the breath, mm. a classic kind of meditation process. Uh, and interestingly, open-eyed, mm. uh, you know, which is a little unusual, I guess, in the in the meditation world. And I found myself having some quiet, profound, altered state experiences when doing standing jikong, um, which which really, um, with hindsight um, and a bit of experience under my belt, very very similar to the kinds of experiences you can have on something like LSD, for mm. example, uh, like seeing the ground start to ripple as if it was water yes and those sorts of things and i'm sure you've had plenty of those yep interesting... pl plenty of those um it, even induced by acupuncture itself or meditation um so i've practiced both open eyed and closed eyed meditation and the um the the main advice i have with that um from my experience is to um practice both but then if you're in the place where your your eyes are open and you're distracted by the things around you then you can close them or if you're too closed and you're distracted by the inner world you can open them and sort of stay in this place in between yeah mm. yeah so one of the things that i experienced when i started doing this standing qigong practice was uh rocking motions in the mm. body and and they would sometimes be 
uh, rocking backwards and forwards, actually, but not not a linear rocking. It was more like a rotation, mm -hmm. feeling like a rotational rocking, mm -hmm. where, I, where, for example, I'm holding my arms out in front of me as if I'm hugging a tree. Mm -hmm. And if you trace the, the pattern my fingers are making, it's like a little circle mm -hmm. uh, as my body rocks backwards and forwards. And then sometimes that would change to a, a sideways rocking mm -hmm. as well. And, and one of the revelations I've had in the last week since um, Stephen and I have been working together is learning about this internal geometry, mm. um, which I was feeling, but I didn't actually have a structure in my mind for, for visualizing it and, mm. and understanding what was going on. But what I understand now is that these triangular shapes in the body and tetrahedron shapes spin, mm. right? And when you get yourself into a certain state, uh, you can activate that spinning, and that, that that's that's what was happening we'll for me. Will induce the rocking, and we know yeah. that you know you can induce altered states through rocking itself and, yeah. and repetition. And Let's repetition go to the Wailing Wall. It's all yeah, happening all, there. All a lot of rocking things. going on there. Yeah, yeah, and and so with a with with a knowledge of that now, you know, I can have some more control over that, mm. and I can I can induce the rocking, mm. and I can also anchor yeah, anchor the body it, yeah. and, and experience mm. steadiness as well, mm. um, and distinguish between. Uh, that rotation in different uh, dimensions, you know, mm. like a, like in in uh, a sort of a the rotation that would allow that cause my body to rock backwards or forwards, mm. or or a sideways rotation that would call it to cause it to rotate yeah. sideways. I could think. I guess looking for the uh, the benefit and the healing in that, in and why we want why, why it's interesting to do altered states work is it puts us outside of our usual perspective, but it also allows us to see things from. A new place where you can have that movement towards wholeness and that um, yeah. new way of being, that sort of in intactogenic effect, that being in, in your heart and being having a sense of uh, wholeness. Yeah. What was that word? Intactogenic. Intactogenic. What's that? What's that mean? Um, I, I guess uh, the, the word in in intact. Yeah, intact. Something intact. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So structurally, you have uh, having a structural integrity with yeah. that system, and, and feeling like you're not uh, lacking something. Mm. You know when. Yeah. Uh, saying the twelve-step programs, they they talk about looking for finding that God-shaped hole within mm. um, and, and filling it. The God-shaped yeah, hole within, feeling in incomplete, where where if you uh, move into that feeling of wholeness, you feel ah, it's okay. I'm uh, everything's okay as it is. Yeah, yeah. and that that's the sense that happens. Mm. Mm. Um, interestingly, uh, that word intactogen is is being used in the psychedelic mm. field now sometimes to describe drugs like MDMA. Mm. Uh, which can give you a feeling of wholeness and being mm. intact. Um, yeah, intactogen or empathogen is another yeah, empathogen. word that they're mm. using. Empathogen. Also, yeah. yeah, and, yeah. and that's the, the sense of, of being in your heart, as Mikio describes it, is that, that knowing by heart that, you know, maybe you're on the right track or that um, everything's okay and, and gives you the feeling of, of safety and, and, mm. uh, and knowing mm. um, and also wonderment and, mm. and mystery and yeah, all mm. those things. Beautiful. So as we've been experimenting with this over the last few days, my mind, of course, has gone to the work of Nassim Haramein, who has described the, the underlying structure of space-time mm. as an arrangement of, of tetrahedron-shaped uh, energy, right? Mm. Um, and, uh, and, of course, this internal body geometry is also about tetrahedrons, um, so, and it's, it's the same thing, and it's a, it's, a, it's a larger fractal scale of the minute you know, quantum particle or actually Planck-level particle uh, tetrahedron shapes, which which Haramain's uh, now describing is like the the light pixels of of reality. Mm -hmm. that, that holographic the, the nature. The Planck units. That in, in each part, it contains the whole. 
Mm. Yeah, yeah. And so um, Haramein also has made a really, really interesting correlation between um, the I Ching, which is uh, the, mm. the from the Chinese Book of Changes, right? Um, uh, do you want to just briefly describe what the I Ching is for? Yeah, so, so that's that's what it means, is, is that Book of Changes. So it's this um, idea of, you know, we have yin and yang polarity, which can go through a transition from being, um, you know, they draw it out as broken and unbroken lines yeah. in three, three layers. Yeah. Um, each of those represents one of the, the bagua or the, the eight kind of ways of being. Um, so it, it, it is a map of the universe, a map of consciousness, and then the I Ching represents the shift from one of those uh, bagua patterns to another, and the uh, transition that happens between them. Um, it's, it's a way of understanding the world around you again and, and mapping that out. Yeah, and also yeah. a way of describing the experience of change. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's often just thought of as being a, a, a you know, a predictive, um, how do I tell the future and... and um, uh, yeah. A, a divinity. Yeah, a divination. They'll throw coins and look at um, the, the transition from, from mm. one layout mm. to another. Yeah. And, and that... Uh, so which which line yeah. becomes unbroken, or which broken line, uh, which which unbroken line becomes whole again, and and the movement between them yeah. um, describes change. Yeah. Mm. So so Haramad's made some profound connections across different wisdom traditions mm. uh, through his discovery, and he's figured out that the the Sri Yantra shape uh, is actually a perspective, one perspective of this fundamental structure which he calls the 64 tetrahedron grid mm. um, and uh, using this con concept of vector equilibrium and, and if you have if you look at one tetrahedron which is like a little pointy um, four-sided uh, pyramid mm -hmm. with one mm -hmm. side being the flat bottom of course um, then it, it points in a direction okay so it has a vector yes. and then you need to stack a certain number of those together in a particular way to create what is called vector equilibrium so it, it, it's whole and it's not pointing in any particular direction mm. and the, and the most uh, fundamental structure that does that is the uh, octahedron shape mm. right uh, and so I when I learned about Haramain's work I being fascinated by consciousness and Graves's work and and realizing that okay this is the fundamental structure of space-time and because of the correlation with the I Ching uh, I learned that the process of change is encoded in mm. that structure. Okay, yes. so the structure carries information, mm. and so then I figured, well, okay, this must have some relation to consciousness and levels of consciousness. So I started to theorize about that. I started to look at the, the the very very basic mathematics of it, and I came up with this idea that the the fundamental, most basic structure of human consciousness is the Merkaba, which mm. is two overlapping and rotating tetrahedrons, tetrahedrons yeah. right? One one pointing up, one pointing mm. down, and so I thought, well, if we start at level one in Graves's model and understanding that that's two tetrahedrons then maybe when we move up a level of consciousness we're adding to that structure um, maybe we're adding at one tetrahedron to the structure and, and I figured out that okay if that was right then by the time we get to the end of the sixth layer of consciousness mm. we have seven tetrahedrons okay and then by transitioning to the seventh level we add the eighth piece which completes the uh, and brings it into wholeness. I, I, I can't express how excited I am to keep working with you, Steve. And keep learning because it just it just fits so well. It, yeah. it fits, and so and by completing the octave, um, we then create the the quantum leap because mm. uh, you know if you consider that each tetrahedron is a shape, a whole shape within itself. Mm. All of a sudden, we've created a complete larger whole shape mm. Uh, mm. when the octave is, is created with mm. the eight tetrahedrons, which allows then the quantum capacity to 
to emerge because there's a new structure. Well, that's interesting. I was looking at um, at um, Mikio Sankei's website, which, folks, by the way, is, is esotericacupuncture.com if you want to check it out. And there's a quote here from Brian Green, the physicist from Elegant University, who says, new kinds of laws come into play when the level of complexity of the system changes. Mm-hmm. That's really what you're talking about, isn't it? It is exactly, mm. yeah. And so, and so, you know, both of our minds have been just running wild over yeah. the last few days when we've been working together on this um, in many different ways. And, and you know, one of the places that we've gone to is, well, okay, then, um, and, and I think Steve, you already had a, had a good knowledge of this, is these... Uh, geometric energetic structures within the body are encoded with exactly. information you know so so they are in a way they're a link to the akashic field yes um, because they're they're encoded you know when we, when we're born they're encoded with, that's exactly with how Mikio describes them he calls them the new encoding patterns yeah and they're they're keys that act um you know like a combination lock and it, he describes them as having an importance in the way that you open them in the sequence that you you do them it's like if you have a combination lock you have all mm. the numbers but you don't have them in order it doesn't do anything yeah and that applies when you for example in acupuncture the sequence of acupuncture needles in, in, in that, this system it? that's really yeah. important yes. yeah in in some of the i just the, read that the, yeah the modern chinese medicine <laughs> it, it's less important than, than yeah. You know, TCM as it is now is uh, really based on a, a herbal understanding of, you know, this point does that and this point does that and they're disconnected where the esoteric acupuncture brings them uh, okay. together and it's actually the relationships between them and how they speak to each other and then what that patterning does. For all of you out there, strangers in a strange land, you're grokking future sense here on Bay FM. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you're tuned to Bay FM and the last few minutes of Future Sense for this week. Thanks for joining me and joining us, sorry. And I'm just looking at some of the texts here and thanks for the extensive texts from um, Sam. I won't get all of those now, but you're pretty resonating with what we're talking about. So thank you for your comments. I'll pass them on as well. We haven't got time to go into them in detail. We're talking here to Dr. Stephen Booth, who's been our special guest for the day. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. And uh, we're talking about esoteric acupuncture and more and um, how can we um, wrap it up this this afternoon, this morning? Where yeah, we? well, just to wrap that little section that we were talking about, um, we are talking about the internal energetic geometries in the body uh, which are formed by joining together various acupuncture points uh, and those geometries are encoded with information and they can spin and, and have an impact on our, our experience of being, our state of consciousness. And um, and some of the stuff that we've been doing over the last few days, you know, is really pointing to the potential for new healing methodologies and also new ways of supporting the development of higher consciousness and and inducing higher states of consciousness. Uh, so yeah, we're going to keep working at that. Mm-hmm. Very interesting indeed. So, Stephen, yeah, maybe I can um, yeah. post or share something even on the Facebook group around Mikio's work so that people that are great. interested can follow that up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. very yeah. good. That'd be really good. Yeah, I'd never, I never. I, I, I seem to have heard his name before, but not really. So I'm mm-hmm. looking looking at that website, which is a very extensive website. Some good stuff on there, clearly. Mm-hmm. Some really lovely stuff about the Shen. You're talking about about yes. the heart center. You're talking about uh, on in that uh, the front page there. Um, yeah, that's about it. I think. Um, where are we where are we up to? Are you here next week, Mister McDonald? Because you don't. You're going overseas. I'm going overseas sure. soon. Yeah, I haven't but actually booked my flights probably yet. Probably be here so next I'm, week. You've been listening to Future Sense, a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name broadcast on BayFM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Future Sense is available on iTunes and SoundCloud. The future is here now. It's just not evenly distributed.